0: A lot of my children's sermons for you adults come from my brother, Rick. Rick has been a a children's pastor for many years. He actually pastors in Oklahoma City. But he actually wrote a book. And this is a great book. Um, That's the only book he wrote. Uh, Nobody really wants to listen to his sermons, but they like to listen to his children's sermons. So, today's sermon is from Pastor Rick's book. And it says Sully wants to be a rabbit. So this story is about a skunk. His name is Sully. So do you think Sully looks happy or sad? Kind of, kind of ticked off, doesn't he? Yep. He's very unhappy. You know why he's very unhappy? It's because Sully doesn't like being a skunk. Would you like to be a skunk? Kind of? No, no, oh, no, nope, nope. There's. I've got more of a consensus. Well, Sully does not like being a skunk, if Sully could be anything else in the whole wide world, he'd love to be a rabbit. He thought that rabbits were the most special creatures. He loved their ears. He loved the way they liked to hop. And he loved just about everything that rabbits did. And so he thought, if I could only become a rabbit, I would be happy. Well, it just so happened that Sully knew a rabbit. Rabbit's name was Max. And one day he asked him, could you turn me into a rabbit? Well, nobody had ever asked Max that question before. So no one knew if it was possible to turn a skunk into a rabbit. So Max called for a meeting. Meeting of his rabbit friends. And they tried to figure out if it was possible to turn Sully into a rabbit. They talked about it for a long time, and Sully was kind of anxious to hear what the answer was going to be. But finally, Max came back and said, Sully, I think we can turn you into a rabbit. But it will be a very painful thing to do. Are you sure you want to be a rabbit? Oh, yes, 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 said Sully. I want to be a rabbit more than anything in the whole wide world. Please, 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 please turn me into a rabbit. So the rabbits gathered around Sully, and they began to work on him. Oh, Max was right. It was very painful. Well, first, they decided to stretch his ears to a long rabbit length, and that really hurt. Well, then they cut off his lovely long black tail, and ouch! Finally, they clipped his hair down to rabbit length, and they painted him to be a nice bunny brown color. Kind of cute, isn't it? So finally, Sully got his wish he had been turned into a rabbit. Well, maybe he didn't actually look like a rabbit, but Sully thought he did, and he felt very happy. So now they had to teach him a few rabbit things. They had to teach him how to eat rabbit food, and, and they showed him how to play rabbit games. And, I've got to turn my page, sorry about that. They even let him look down some of the rabbit holes. Have you ever been able to look down a rabbit hole before? No, no. They let Sully do it. Well, one thing they forgot to teach Sully was the rancher warning. And so it happened one day, a local rancher came to the field looking for his favorite ingredient for his favorite stew, which was rabbit stew. You have a question? Yes, I'm sure it was. It was all legal, in case there are any police officers in the room. (laughs) So, all the rabbits, they knew exactly what to do. They would just tap their little feet, and that would mean that they all needed to run. So they knew what to do, but they forgot to talk to Sully. And sure enough, Sully just kind of stood there. And the rancher pointed his gun at Sully, who was right behind a bush, and he pointed it right At Sully, well, Sully, in the fright of the moment, did what came very instinctive to him. And I mean instinctive. (laughs) When he was frightened, he shot a blast of skunk smell right on to the rancher. And the rancher screamed, Gross! Yeah, absolutely. And he dropped his gun and he ran away and he never returned there. In fact, he also told all the other ranchers in the area, Don't do, don't go to that place. They've got some weird rabbits there. <laughs> and sure enough, look, all of the rabbits came up to, this, to Sully and said, That is so cool. How did you do that? I wish I could be a skunk. (laughs) Perhaps, kids, sometimes you're a little bit like Sully. Maybe you don't really like the way you're made. Maybe you'd like to be taller. Or perhaps you wish maybe you were a bit faster or prettier. Which one is the next slide? There we go, faster. Maybe you want to be a bit prettier, but maybe if we learned the lesson that Sully learns, he learned that being who he was, was really the best way, just the way God created him, not trying to be like somebody else, sure enough, over time, Sully's hair grew back out, the color went away, and it's a little hard to get a tail back, but Lo and behold, one of those rabbits took his tail down and used it as a carpet in his little rabbit hole. So they sewed it back on. And Sully began to realize he was good the way God created him to be. A skunk. In Psalm one thirty-nine fourteen, it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Kids, God did not make a mistake when he created you just the way you are. You may take a bag on the front pew and go have a seat with your folks. And the little ones may head toward the nursery parents.
1: Isn't this a great sight? Children in church. Amen. This is the future. I mean, y'all up there aren't the future of this church. This is the future. And thanks, Mark, for pointing that out. Right? Lee? Just kidding. Hey, good morning again. Um, we're going to continue our series. Uh, well, the second one of our series on stewardship. Last week we did time, or last week we did talents, you know, spiritual gifts and talents, what God gives us in abilities and spiritual gifts to serve in the church. And that's something that's so very important, especially during this transitional period, that we all step up and look for ways and opportunities that we can serve the Lord. Because the, the spiritual gifts are given to edify and build up the body. But we were also called, of course, to go out and make disciples and win the lost. And so um, a lot of opportunities. I put a slide up there. Sorry, getting too close to the speaker. Um, I put a slide up there last week about all the different ministry opportunities. Not necessarily, there's not a, maybe an opening in every area, but please, you know, talk to your church board members, talk to ministry leaders and say, where is I can I can plug in? Because there's so much opportunity in a church family. Remember, the church is the body of Christ. And every member, every part of your body does something. And just when you don't think that a part is useful is when you bump your elbow or stub your toe. And then you know that that elbow nerve is there. And the neat thing about another part of the church body is that we are to come together and to surround those that are hurting. And that bumping the elbow is a sure sign because when you smack your elbow right on that nerve, the rest of your body concentrates on that part. It doesn't matter. That is the part that needs to be cared for and needs to be rubbed and needs to be um, pampered because that is where the hurt is and the rest of the body comes and helps take care of that hurt part. You stub your toe. The same thing, you hit your shins. It just Your body knows <clears throat> when one part is hurting and we need to be able to do that here. <clears throat> Excuse me, I know Debbie you brought water. Thank you. So this week we're going to talk about time, making the most of our time. Time is, time management is such a difficult thing. They they teach courses on it, on time management. And the interesting thing, when you take a look at stewardship, you have time and talent and treasure, uh, which is of course that we'll talk after a little bit after Easter. But we all have the exact same amount of the first. We all have the 24 hours. There's, you don't have any more than 24 hours. Everybody in this room has the same amount of time each day to, to figure out what to do. Nobody has more or less than that. However, what we do with our time is just as important as what we do with our talent and our treasure. So we're going to do a little, just a little study here, little things. How is our time allotted? The existential time we have allotted is our total time left here and spent here on earth. That's our existential time. That's all the time that we spend here on earth. And it can be broken up into various ways. First of all, there's biological. That's the time spent taking care of our basic needs, eating and sleeping and um, your personal hygiene and exercise. That's a very small slice of the pie for me. For exercise, you know, I joined a fitness club because I wanted to lose $20 a month. Um, my favorite exercise my favorite exercise is, you know, uh, running off of the mouth and jumping to conclusions and those types of things. So vocational, time spent at our jobs or going to and from, but I mean, time spent... At our jobs, familial, which time spent with our families, social time spent with our friends, personal time spent on yourself, hobbies, etc., and then spiritual time spent on God's work, worship, service, personal devotions, prayer, etc. If we were to try to make a pie chart out of that, remember I'm a marketing guy at heart. If we try to make a pie chart of that, this is kind of what it looks like. You know, it says this is the. If I just did a quick calculation. You know, the biological, if you do eight hours only, plus, uh, you know, getting ready for in your personal hygiene, that's nine hours a day. That's 38% of the day. If you commute to work eight-hour a day and you commute even a half hour and back, that's nine, that's another 30. 76% of your day is either sleeping, taking care of yourself, or commuting to and from or working. That's a big chunk. Now, for those who are retired, we have a different, different pie chart. Um, but each year... And each month, there's, there's, I broke it down number wise. In fact, when I was doing 525,600 minutes, that's a song from the musical Rent on Broadway. I was, I went, 525,600 minutes. Sorry. Um, but this is, this is how some person's pie chart may look. You know, you've got 9% social, 7% familial, 6% personal, and oh, what's left? Yo, know, 2% on the chart is left for spiritual. And last week, or a or, couple, excuse me, reading and studying the Bible, we were talking about that. I said I was first challenged as a young Christian to spend one percent of my time in the Word and prayer. That's fifteen minutes a day. One percent—that's one percent of the time. And many of our pie charts, if we were to map it out, that might just be all that we give to the Lord—one to two percent. So we have to manage our time and make the most of it in serving the Lord. So why do we need to do this? Well, a couple of pointers. Well, before you do that, let's talk about, you know me, I, have, I love quotes. So here's some quotes on time. There's never enough time to do it right, but there's always enough time to do it over. A gentleman by the name Jack Bergman said that. There's never enough time to do it right, but there's always enough time to do it over. Jack Bergman, I believe he was a road construction worker. Okay. There's, there's only one thing more precious than our time. And that's who we spend it on. Uh, that's, I'm, I'm sure there was some awes. I love this one. I know how many of your readers love to read? Love to read. Good. You know, that I, I was at one time, I'm less now, but I, I was an avid, avid reader. But I love this quote, a guy named Warren Zevin. We love to buy books because when we do, we also believe that we are buying the time to read them. I'm sorry, that's like mic drop you know, moji with your head exploded. When we're buying a book, we are assuming that we're buying the time to read the book. Otherwise, we wouldn't waste the time. on. I know, that spoke to me. It's not scriptural, but it spoke to me. And the, the Bible says, so teach us to number our days that we may receive a heart of wisdom. And he's Ecclesiastes, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And then I know there was a group that made that into a song. Um... And then Psalm 139 just was quoted up here. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Time is so, so important. And as believers, we need to make the most of our time. The Bible says, well, we'll get to that verse. Then I have to have some funny quotes about time. So, three o'clock is always too late or too early to do anything you want. And I got to, this is John Paul Sartre, who's a philosopher, but I agree, at three o'clock in the afternoon, it's too late to take a nap, and it's too early to go to dinner, although the early dining menus are getting earlier and earlier. We try to go to Red, well, not Red Lobster, Texas Roadhouse, we get, we got some gift cards from our church, and we show up and want the early dine menu, we walk in there at five after four, and it ended at four. We're going, wait a second, it used to end at six, no, it ends at four now. On the weekends, it ends at 3. Well, that's not early dining. That's late lunching. But at 3 o'clock, Lewis Boone says, I'm definitely going to take a course on time management as soon as I can fit it into my schedule. Lucille Harper said, Time is a great healer but a poor beautician. (laughs) And here's two more. The passing of time is mysterious. This is anonymous, by the way. The passing of time is mysterious. When you're lying in bed and it's 6 a.m., you look at the clock and you close your eyes for five minutes, and it's 7:45. But at work it's 1:30 p.m. You close your eyes for 15 minutes and you look at the clock and it's 1:31. So time passing is. And then finally, from our great philosopher, Doctor Zeus, how did it get so late so soon? It's night before it's afternoon. December's here before it's June. My goodness, how the time has flown! How did it get? so late, so soon. And I know many of us, we're doing a memorial service for a young man named Chris after the service. And and when did time? Time passes. Our time on earth here is limited. We don't know how long we have. So making the most of the time is so very, very important. So why should we make the most of our time? Just a couple of quick points because I know we want to be able to um, uh, get the uh, uh, sanctuary ready. Uh, for the, for the memorial service right after this. But let's take a look at a couple of things. First of all, why should we make some, first of all, the time is short. Boy, if we don't know that, we're going to be talking about that after Easter. We're going to talk about the ten, the ten signs that we were living in the last days. The, the, the time is short. I believe we're in the last of the last days. The time is short. The Bible says, why? Do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Psalm 90 says, Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And Psalm 144 says, Lord, what are human beings or what is man that you are mindful of them and you care for them? Mere mortals that you think of them. They are like a breath and their days are like a fleeting shadow. So in these verses, what is our life compared with a fleeting shadow, a wisp? It's very short. In comparison to eternity, I mean, I'm talking this afternoon, uh, the message in the, in the memorial service, I'm going to be talking about eternity. I mean, that is the hope of the believer, is that our life here on earth, whether it's 10 years or 20 or 30 or even 90, is very short compared to eternity. So our time here on earth is short, and the time for us to do what God is calling us to do is short. And because David considered such time such a valuable commodity, he prayed for wisdom on how to best use his time. So in our life, in our prayer life, in our Bible study time, when we're praying and we asking God for wisdom, are we asking God for a constant awareness of time and life shortness so that we can be present and be available and be willing to do what God calls us to do? The second reason that we should manage our time is because the days are evil. I know many people have just stopped watching the news. I don't remember a time, and I'm not—I'm not as old as some of y'all, but I'm a lot older than some of you as well. And I don't remember a time, in our, and at least in my life, where there is this sense of, of evil. I mean, Ephesians is very clear. We wrestle not again. I don't even have that up there. Just. Well, I do have that one, but I'm talking about Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spirits of the dark places. I mean, our wrestle in this world is against evil. It's not against person to person. It's not against flesh and blood. It is against evil. And evil is permeating our world, and it's getting faster and faster as we take a look around us. If you read in Timothy, you know, the things that are present in the last days, as far as the the list of evil things going on, you might as well just... Well, in the old days we had newspapers, but it would be right out of the headlines in the newspapers. All the things that the Bible says is going to be prevalent, and evil is growing. And the Bible says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity... Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We have a tendency to make foolish decisions. And and, and God, you know, he's, he's a forgiving God, but I tell you, sometimes we just, we go, why is this happening to me, Lord? Well, you know, it's kind of a response. A, a, Consequence of a decision you might have made. And as we look at our world and we know that the time, that the days are evil, if the days are evil and the time is short, there should be a call to do something. That's the final point or bullet is if the days are evil and the time is short, what should we be doing? How should we be spending our time? So let's take a look at it. What should we be doing? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the, the very end of the age. So, first thing that God is calling all believers to do is we are called to make disciples and to win the lost. Especially if, again, if you go through any type of of prophecy or any type of end times study, so it gives you a sense of urgency. In fact, that's one of the reasons that you study is because it gives you this sense of urgency. You look at people differently because the time is short. And, and you look at people as not irritating neighbors, which I have a hard time with that, and irritating neighbors to people that may not know the Lord. It changes your perspective. If you realize that the time is short and the days are evil, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be looking for opportunities to win others to the Lord and make disciples. That's what we should be doing. Then put on, then, as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, we should be demonstrating compassion and kindness to others. I, I've seen different postings that go on that says that, you know, be kind to everybody you meet because you just don't know what they're going through. You don't know why the waitress is a little snippy at you. And instead of calling the manager over, maybe just go, "Is there something I can pray for you about?" I've had have had lunch with many many pastors in my profession as a as a financial advisor as well as being a, a, an interim pastor. I get an opportunity to meet and have lunch with different pastors and and members of churches and and I love sitting with people that will do that. Someone will come up and they I was with a pastor in Colorado Springs. We were out to lunch and the waiter came up and he says, "Can I take your order?" and and the pastor goes, "Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ?" And he goes, "Well, I was going to just ask you if you want what you wanted to drink." But he goes, "Well, I not really." He goes, "Well, son, he said you you should. If you don't." He says, "Well, I'm Jewish." He goes, "Even better." He says, "You got the whole thing down. You got the whole root. You got the whole tree, the whole He says, "We just got to got to get you to Jesus." He goes, "Here's my card." He says, "Give me a call if you want to talk about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'll take the double cheeseburger and a Coke." That was his his mind was always looking for opportunities. To witness and to be, and then also we need to look for opportunities to be kind to one another. We just don't know what is causing a person to not look like they're happy. Did you see the way they looked in the service? They didn't sing when they didn't smile when they sang the songs down there and they just didn't, you know, they didn't participate, they didn't raise their hand. You know what? Maybe you should go over and find out is there something I can pray for you about? Is there a burden that you're carrying? Maybe that's why you're not fully engaged in what's going on. Next. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that they that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of of Christ, so the, again, it goes back to last week's message: is we should be looking for opportunities to serve in the church. And then, God is not unjust; He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people. We need to look for opportunities to help others. We just do, and that's that's hard for me. I told you last week I bragged about, well, I bragged. I talked about my spiritual gifts of being preaching and teaching, exhortation. My talent, ability is public speaking. I love being up in front of an audience. Um, Debbie's at, Debbie's is serving. Um, and then many of you have different spiritual gifts for building up the body, but it doesn't relieve really any of us of the responsibility of looking for ways we can help people. So the final thing is be careful then, redeeming the time. It's a New Testament, it's a King James Version, redeeming the time, meaning making the most of the time that we have. <clears throat> be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. And like I said, the King James says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So we want to redeem the time. So what does that mean? Are we striving to serve the Lord in any capacity you can within the body of Christ? Do you have a burden for the lost? Are you looking for opportunities to witness or make disciples? Are you conducting yourself towards non-Christians with wisdom by avoiding hypocrisy so as not to defame the gospel that we are proclaiming and sharing? One of the big reasons people don't like Christianity is because they don't like Christians. And I, when I see that, it just, it just, you know, like a, like a, because if you're being a bad representation of the body of Christ, that's what they see. And we've heard messages, you know, you're the hands and feet of Christ, you know, the only the, the, the closest thing anybody will ever come to see in Jesus is you and all those other types of things. But this is this is intro this really s- said something to me. Because if people go, you know, religious Christianity is the most intolerant and the most divisive um, exclusive religion on the world, and the answer is no, it's not. It's just the opposite. It's the most inclusive and inviting and and non-restraining. You come to Jesus Christ as you are. Other religions have things you have to do and works and steps and eightfold paths and, 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 and all of the things you have to do to earn some sort of whatever acceptance. I mean, even the Jews, unfortunately, are still depending upon the law and not the Messiah. And so all of these other religions it's works based. I've got to do something, I've got to earn something, I've got to And guess what? Jesus says, "You come to me wherever you are, whatever you got going, and I'll take care of it and I'll forgive you." Christianity is the most open, accepting, welcoming, non-divisive religion in the world. The trouble is is that people sometimes see divisive, judgmental hypocritical people that claim that they're Christians. Yet we're all, we're all human. We all make mistakes. And that's what they look at. And they, they don't see Jesus. They see that one individual. So we need to look for opportunities. Redeeming the time so that those that are non-Christians see us acting with wisdom and with compassion and avoiding hypocrisy. Is the right timing for determining your activities based on God's the Father's work and will, or do you just feel like doing it when you do it? When they ask Jesus, what is your... Well, first of all, He said, I have bread that you don't know about. They thought He was hiding bread on him. He says, well, my bread, my meat, you know, is to do the Father's will. We look for opportunities and we, we sense the Lord's leading as opposed to when we're good and ready to do it. So many times we have to maybe alter our own personal schedules and agendas to be to be obedient so in closing, I just like I said was a shorter message today because we we wanted to make the the, the turnaround for the noon um, memorial service. But just a couple things: Jim Croce wrote the song "Time in a Bottle," got some great lyrics in that. But it says there never seems to be enough time, and many of you are singing it in your heads. There never seems to be enough time to do the things we want to do once you find them. One of the other quotes that came to mind while I was put this up there, and I didn't want to make this a whole close with a Jim Croce song, you know, have Irene run up and go, "Let's try, let's try time in the bottle," um, which, you know, what this church, it wouldn't surprise me. Shoot, Chad or whoever would have, he'd have the, the PowerPoint up there in three minutes, and we'd be able to sing it. But the, one of the verses, if I could take time, if I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do is to save every day. And treasure it, and then again, I would spend it with you. I mean, that's not biblical. It's not even a hymn, but you think it should be. It's really close. But even Jim Croce, when he was writing this, was clearly not thinking of, maybe he was thinking of spiritual things, but many of us, again, this afternoon with the memorial service, I'm sure that Kathy and Donald and friends and family of Chris, boy, if they could only save time in a bottle, you know, and then relive those moments, which they will have to during their memories. Time is short. I do, in my um, profession, I do a lot of death claims. I process the paperwork for my clients who have passed away, and I work with their beneficiaries. And I get a chance to pray with them, and I get a chance to fill out the paperwork and ask them what they want um, done with the proceeds. And you hear many, many stories of individuals and beneficiaries about what the last thing they said to their mom and dad or their grandparents or the last time they saw them was so, so, so far away. And so I had to deal with this every week. Someone is passing away in my book of business and, and uh, I, have to, I deal with it a lot and, and we get to realize just how, much precious, how precious time is. And then Colossians, we'll finish with Colossians, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. We have to remember when we are serving in a church, we are doing it for the Lord. We're doing it for the Lord. And we have to make that our first priority. We have to. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father God, we just come before you. Shorter message, but Father, help us to seek your wisdom in redeeming the time and making the most of our time here. Looking for ways to help others, to serve you in the church body to win the loss, to witness and to make disciples. Father, we just lift this church family to you. We know we're going through a transition time and it's never easy, but God, we know you have someone ready. Um, Just with timing, obviously, we we want it to be sooner than later, but bring this individual, Lord, to, to pastor and lead this church. We pray that we would all look for opportunities to serve with the sole purpose, Father God, of serving you and glorifying You and doing whatever we do heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Thank You again for Your love and mercy to us. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and we look forward to His return. Amen.